Welcome to this edition of Life's Tough, You Can Be Tougher. Our first podcast was about three months ago, and since we started, we've had an impressive selection of inspiring guests and plenty of free-flowing conversation. I'm Dustin Planholt, your host. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, has a story. Some stories may sound more riveting than others. That's to be expected. Not every story, after all, is the basis for a blockbuster movie or an HBO miniseries. Yet when you think about your own story, the most important thing to consider is what you will do with it. Or, to put it another way, what will your legacy be? We're looking forward to another terrific show today with today's featured guest, Wyclef Jean. Wyclef came to prominence as the guiding member of the Fugees the celebrated hip-hop group that soared to fame during the mid-90s. In the ensuing years, Wyclef has been an award-winning solo performer and producer. You'll definitely want to stay tuned for our upcoming conversation. Before we begin, I want to welcome a returning sponsor, the POI Institute. The POI Institute is a private, luxurious, holistic detox center located in gorgeous Cabo San Lucas on Mexico's Baja California Peninsula. POI offers safe, medically-focused Ibogaine detox treatments for individuals suffering from a variety of addictions. Call the POI Institute at 833-POI-CABO. That's 833-POI-CABO. Or check out their website, POIibogaine.com. That's P-O-I-I-B-O-G-A-I-N-E.com. Be sure to tell them that Life's Tough sent you. Now let's introduce Wyclef. Wyclef, or Clef, is a real renaissance man. He's a lyricist, a musician, a singer, a producer, a poet, a songwriter. That covers quite a lot of bases. Clef has received three Grammy Awards and earned a place among the top 50 hip-hop players on a special cover of Rolling Stone magazine. He has also collaborated with Queen, Mick Jagger, Paul Simon, Earth, Wind & Fire, Kenny Rogers, Tom Jones, and the late Michael Jackson to make music. And as a solo performer, Wyclef has six albums that have sold nine million copies. The multi-talented artist draws on elements of pop, country, folk, disco, Latin, and electronic music. Wyclef, of course, was a founder and guiding member of the Fugees, a prominent hip-hop group out of New Jersey that rocketed to fame during the mid-90s. The Fugees' name was a reference to the earlier refugee status of two of the three band members, Wyclef and Praz. Both came to the United States from Haiti. Wyclef was nine when he arrived. In 1997, the group won a Grammy Award for Best Album, The Score, in 1997. And as one of the top hip-hop albums of all time, The Score climbed to number one on the Billboard 200 chart and was certified six times for platinum status and sales. It included their feature hit, a rendition of Roberta Flack's 1973 song, Killing Me Softly. The Fugees actually recorded the album at Wyclef's studio in the basement of his uncle's home in New Jersey. After the group split, Wyclef became a solo performer and a producer. 
As he notes on his website, if I didn't keep moving after the score, you all wouldn't have had the biggest pop song of all time. Wyclef was referring to Shakira's 2006 mega hit, Hips Don't Lie, a song that he co-wrote. He was also a featured performer on its recording. Other Wyclef hits have included Gone Till November, Ghetto Superstar, Carlos Santana's number one single, Maria Maria, and the late Whitney Houston's My Love Is Your Love. He was the producer for Destiny's Child breakthrough hit, No, 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 when Beyonce was 16. So, now, welcome to the show, Wyclef. And uh, I would love to hear you tell us about what you're doing, and maybe you can surprise us with some music. Every time I make a run, girl, you turn around and cry. I ask myself, why, oh, why? See, you must understand, I can't work no nine to five. So I'll be gone to November. Said I'll be gone till November. I'll be gone till November. What's good? It's your boy Wyclef Jean. Talk to me. Welcome to the show, Wyclef Jean. We are going to talk to you and have what a great up, show today. I look forward to it. Man, that, that's so cool. Uh, so I got to check it off the list. Are the Fugees ever going to get back together, at least for a reunion concert? Man, I have a song about that. It's called Say What, Say What, Anything Can Happen, you know? Yeah, and anything can happen. So, which means it's still possible. I, I love. I can hear it in your voice. You're smiling right now. We we might be making history around the world in this show. That it is in the works. At least it sounds like it. Like I said, anything can happen. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, regarding a reunion, the Fugees did come together for Dave Chappelle's famous block party, held uh-huh. in held in Brooklyn, in 2004. Yeah. Can you talk about that? And by the way. Is Chappelle as funny as uh, as he is, at least on TV? Because I, I laugh nonstop when he when he throws out his lines. Definitely, Dave Chappelle is brilliant beyond brilliant. I mean, what I love most about Dave Chappelle is, is the way that he's very strategic um, on how he uses comedy to bring issues to the forefront. Um, so it was incredible when we got the call and his idea of block party. He wanted to celebrate uh, the hip hop culture um, from from an idea that people might have, you know, young kids can learn more about where the culture comes from. Um, so it was definitely an incredible experience. But my best my best part of that, really, if you watch the documentaries, all of the the time that I really spent with the kids and watching their eyes glare as um, as we kept giving them more and more information. Wow, you know, you have. You've done so many remarkable things, and yet always you seem to be centered around helping to make others' dreams come true, from children to to working with Destiny's Child, which really leads me into, you said that they went from a dream to the Young Supremes. You were impressed impressed enough to take them on. Like You were putting your own reputation on the line. How did you know they'd make you proud? Man, it's so funny that you said that, right? Because on my Instagram, right, there's a... A recap three days ago of young Justin Beaver, and Justin is like, "Yo, I want to introduce to you a friend of mine," you know. And then I step up, and Justin's a kid. So there's a myth that says for you to become a star in the industry, you have to go through Uncle Wyclef. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're, you're the guy so, that got to go through. Huh? You're, you're the beginning so of this. I, I get to, I get to see the artist at a very very young age. You know what I mean? So for me, that's always magical. Um, when I met Destiny Child. 
uh, it was incredible because uh, Beyonce Kelly, the entire group was, you could see the focus of the group for me, which was the most incredible part at a young age, um, just to see how focused um, they were. So for me, that was like the most important thing. From a young age, I could see the focus. You could see 100%. it. 100%. So you knew, yeah. you knew like for Beyonce, you knew she'd be a star or, or did you know she'd be a megastar? Well, the thing is, you know, at that time I was coming from, you know, having created the super group, the Fugees. So for me, um, just creating the Fugees and finding Lauren uh, between she was 14 or 15, um, I always had the pulse. Um, you know, coming in, I wanted to be like a record man. I, I, my first initial plan was far from being famous, but it was more just creating music that people could sing along to and rock along to. That was my initial um, plan. Well, you, you, That was my initial plan. Well, I, I can tell you, yeah. it seems like everything you touch uh, turns to beauty. So tell me about the connection between um, musical and verbal storytelling. How do you find that process? Well, I mean, for me, I always say it's always easier to write for myself. I'm inspired by uh, Bob Dylan, um, Bart Marley, and oh, yeah. the, the Police album, Synchronicity, and uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall. I would say um, a lot of that really helped shape uh, my style of writing. Um, coming from a you know a small village in Haiti, um, getting to America, not being able to speak English, so you have to understand music for me. Growing up in a project has always been a sense of survival, right? Yeah. So I don't just when it comes to like the white clef music, like when you hear like records like Gone to November, and it's a re- record about making runs. For example, and when we talk about making runs, we talk about making drug runs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you listen closely to that record. It's a cousin of mine that got to Baltimore and he didn't make it back. Oh, boy. And now I have to tell his girl that he's gone till November, but knowing that he won't be back in November. Um, so um, the records that I write are usually the Wyclef songs when you dig in into them or it's either the my stories or it's powerful family related stories you know yeah and we're, we're actually recording right now out of baltimore so it's uh it's amazing yeah. you just happen to sing and you, i mentioned baltimore yeah. yeah yeah that, that happened in baltimore so you have so much empathy for others how do you how do you maintain that was it something you were born with is it something that was along the way that that happened to you like it is hard to find, and you know this in the world, it is hard to find people with the type of empathy that you have. Where does that come from? I mean, I always credit first my grandmother, you know, that I was raised with in Haiti, my aunt that I was raised with. Um, I credit it to the small village that I was raised with. Um, grandfather that was a voodoo priest in Haiti. Um, my, my father was minister. Uh, my uncle was a mason. So I just was constantly raised at a very young age with just the idea of understanding um, the true meaning of a human being, you know, because sometimes we get caught up in La La Land where we We forget the true essence of each other is to really inspire each other and help each other walk through life and constantly inspire a new generation. This is how we get inventions, right? And inventions bring... Um, future inspirations. Well said. We, we like to say on the show that everyone has a story and every story has a purpose. The story, right. your, your life has been a story, one that people literally make movies about and documentaries. Mm-hmm. And 
and all of it yet seems to you to be that you still were meant for more. Talk to me about your purpose. When did you know you found your purpose? I mean, really, for me, my, my story starts off with extreme poverty in Haiti. Uh, me and my brother, we used to eat red dirt from the floor. Um, mm. Today, he's a lawyer. But what I love most about my little brother, Samuel Jean, was even at a young age, he would justify things and be like, it could be worse, you know? So if he actually was on the call and I was like, we ate red dirt, he'd be like, yeah, but it was mineral dirt. It was mineral. Well, well, look, we, we can have a surprise caller. If you set up a, you set up a message, we can have him surprise. Uh, like, oh, the- it, was, it was mineral dirt. It wasn't that bad. But um, so I would it's just say perspective. for me, you know, once again, it, it starts off in that tiny village. And when I got to America, um, I landed in Marlboro Projects in Brooklyn. Wow, straight and, to the projects. Yeah, Coney Island. Oh, my god! And gosh, when I got god. to the projects in Brooklyn, I felt like I was the richest man in the world. Isn't that Because something? I came from a hut, right? A place with no electricity. A place that you have to Pro- walk poverty. from around. True poverty. To clean water, right? So I always say that, you know, sometimes, you know, one person's poverty, right? can be another person's gain. And people say, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, if you came from the hut, by the time you got to the projects, it was literally a step up. It's you know a, what I mean? It is all about um, perspective. Well, well said. Yeah, so, so within the perspective, it was seriously in Brooklyn, you know, automatically cousins got shot. Um, mm. I had got, you know, I, I, you know, I got stabbed, all kind of craziness going through Brooklyn. So I toughen up at a very young age, you know, and I always say my mom took a gun out of my hand and replaced it with a guitar. You know what I mean? So I can relate to Johnny Cash a lot. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So for me, I always say there's a similarity with country music and hip hop. I, and, uh, I, I and appreciate we, it too. You, you feel me? I so, do. I mean, I grew up, I'm, I'm statistically not supposed to be here. You know what I mean? Because it's when people hear different stories and of the projects and they go, well, you know, why were you in a gang? Like, couldn't you just say you didn't want to be in a gang? But I try to give people perspective. I said, don't think of it as a gang. Now let's talk about it as tribes, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what we really were, different tribes speaking different languages. But it was horrifying to go from one building to have to cross another building. And unless you was walking across the street, then you risk the fact of either getting jumped, stabbed, or shot. So Each day was a threat. You're, you're going to move with your tribe. So for me, um, when my mom said you could get further with the guitar, I just remember, man, my boys, they was outside doing what they was doing. And I was inside um, learning I Wish You Were Here <laughs> by Pink Floyd, <laughs> um, trying to figure out like the guitar chords. Um, and then that for me was really like the beginning of just something, right? Because I felt like I could be part of something greater than myself. Um, and then by the time I was 17, I was playing over like 14 instruments. And keep in mind, I came from Haiti at nine or 10. So, um, and I always say, whatever the child focus on, that's what they're going to do. So if you put me in an environment and there's Uzis and you tell me how to build it, and, and focus, and I'm like 9 or 10, that's what I'm going to do. So I always say it's important that we instill the right information in the youth, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, you are you seem to be so focused on where you want to go in life, and from the age of 9, you were focused on, if I hang out with that group, 
I will not survive. I will not be able to go where I want. Uh, and looking at performing, how do you find your focus with all the distractions? You know, we talk about in life that when you finally get to that spot, you're on stage or you're where you are today in your journey, you bring a whole life of days and chapters with you. How do you go on stage and not allow all of that to distract you from now your purpose? Well, I mean, I would say uh, one of my mentors is Quincy Jones, right? And so keep in mind, I'm from the church, and it's like gospel church, and it's Caribbean. So I'm used to the heat, the fire, the Holy Spirit, that kind of energy, right? Yeah. So um, I remember Quincy, he introduced me at Montrose, you know what I mean, for like the first time, and people were seeing me. What was that like? Bring me back. Was that like one of these, I can't believe I'm here? Like, it must be kind of cool. Yeah, it's like you pinching yourself, you dig? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. You're like, oh, I'm at Montrose Jazz Festival and Nina Simone, Miles Davis, and you start getting into And then you go, but hold up, I'm being introduced by Quincy Jones, so this must really that's be crazy. a moment in time. Yeah, right? like that's that's quite remarkable. You and I together a couple weeks back and go, that's White Club. Like, there's that, there's that feeling certain people have because of the life they've lived where yeah. you, you have a lot of people that look up to you around the world, and I think it's so amazing that you've been able to stay out of the news. I mean, really out of the news. How do you, uh, how do you do that with everything that's being thrown at you from, from Hollywood to non-Hollywood business that you still find a way to, to give back and, uh, and not let well, all the other stuff taint you? Well, I tell everybody it's in moderation. Like I'm not perfect. So I'm not here saying I ain't sell drugs. I hear not saying I never took guns, you feel me? Right. And I'm not here saying, like, I never had to shot back if someone shot at me. Yeah. But what I'm saying is we grow bigger than that, right? And so my whole purpose, I never really lived inside of the music industry. And people go, what do you mean by that? And this is sort of like where me and Avicii, we really connected like at a mm. very, so Avicii who passed away, you know, a phenomenal, I mean? phenomenal. I mean, what an artist. Yeah. yeah. One of my, one of my, you know, I consider him one of my little brothers Oh, geez. and Sorry he to used that. to, he used to talk to me and it's funny because we was, we was having conversations like this, right? He was like, Clef, I can talk to you because when you was like 23, I already know, like you had a million dollars in the room, like Mayweather of cash. You know, there was cocaine on one side. There was pills. You know what I mean? How the fuck did you get up out of this? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? How did you climb out? Because it's all around you. It's 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 all around you. And then I I never said I didn't mess with anything that was in the room, right? But there was always a fear, right, that was instilled in me, right? And the word used to always, the word I remember, one of my uncles used to always say, everything in moderation. Don't let anything take over you. You see what I'm saying yeah. to you? You in a hotel, California. Great, great so remember, don't don't let the beast overcome you, right? So at the end of the day, I would say like just my parents. Like I always thought of like, you know, they brought me over from America. If something go wrong in this room, you know what I mean? And I get deported. All dreams are going to be lost because it's bigger than me. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? You, you and have, I, I credit wow, that to, to them 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah, and your performance, you give everything you have. You know, in life, all it takes is all you got. Very few people can do that. You you give everything. That must does it wear you out or does it enlighten and inspire you to do it again? 
You see, like, Wyclef is, I'm a tribe. You have to understand, like, when you see the physicality of me, that's just a physical, right? Um, but when I give you everything that I have, it just replenishes me, right? Because a lot of people be like, yo, this dude, he never get tired. Like, he's he's just like a walking machine. He yeah, gets your energy stage. is he can, always up. You're like, yo, he can last three hours. How does he do that? And I tell people... I give you, I'm giving you the love back because at the end of the day, if you come to see me, you're not understanding. You literally saved my life, you know? And I'm like to everybody who saved my life around the world, when I get on that stage, all I can do is give you the hour, the two hours, the three hours. So my shows is just a revival of letting you know how grateful I am to you, right? Because that's the only time I'm going to see you. So it's it's really a celebration more for the crowd when I show up. Well, you deliver and you inspire people. You once said that every day when you wake up, you go into your studio and you record with a guitar and a piano nearby. You're ready to write. It's the way you keep going. In fact, you said that just picking up your guitar and singing is your therapy. Has it always been that way for you? Always, always. You know what I'm saying? Like my psychiatrist is my music. And so it's like if I wake up and I'm feeling a certain way, you know what I mean? Like, I remember, like, I was close to the edge one time. You feel me? Yeah. And then I wrote, like, someone please call 911 with Mary J. Blige. And when people hear that song, you know, I say, you know, if death comes for me tonight, I want you to know that I loved you. Right. And then, like, years later, I bump into a fan like, yo, man, I was thinking about blowing my head off like Kurt Cobain. And I heard this joint. Like, if death comes for me tonight, you know what I mean? And I reconsidered and made a phone call to my girl, and she talked me out of it. So that's the kind of stuff that I do because Powerful. at the end of the day, um, when I write, it's from a space of vulnerability, right? So think about it. When I write Y Clef music, not when I write for people. When I write the Y Clef music, it's it's always from a place of vulnerability. You connect with people on your weaknesses, not through your strengths. Uh, yeah, always musically. That's how I do it. Boy, that, that it truly is. It's powerful when you can reach in and tell them, here's what keeps me up at night. Here's what takes my peace away. You, you're not, yeah, the, you're sure. not the only one. And then you also use your fuel to say, all right, stop being a volunteer victim and get up. I, I came from Haiti, and I can tell you, you can survive the projects. You can make it in this world. Uh, but it takes a mentality that is, I'm not going to just lie down and quit. Um, getting back up yeah. for you, you know, Haiti. Yeah to hear your journey and the steps along the way, what would you tell a younger you? I mean, I would tell a younger me, um, you know, it's going to be tough. Like it's not going to be easy. You're going to get challenged, you know? Um, and at times it's going to feel like you being betrayed by even your own people at times, you know what I mean? And it's going to hurt. And you have to always remember what Confucius said. It's not, you know, the philosopher Confucius is not necessarily what you do when you fall, but when you get back up. You got That's that right. Told the younger me. Wow. And the younger you sounds like you got a lot of advice along the <laughs> way from, from your family. Uh, you mentioned yeah. earlier your pops uh, was a minister. What was life like growing up as a pastor's son? Um, it was very tough, you know, um, similar to like when you see the documentaries of different people from gospel backgrounds where the church 
um, do not allow you to go to the clubs, play in the bars. You know what I mean? So they consider it like circular music. Like yeah, that, that was my serve. my world. By the way, my stepdad is still, yeah. uh, but raised me. He was a pastor, so we were very yeah. aligned in where this is going. Yeah, so it was the same way. It was very tough. It wasn't like to do hip hop and reggae and all of that. I did that outside of the house, similar to like I had to sneak into the clubs. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it was like that was that's sort of like sounded kind of cool. But I had an advantage, which I tell people. I said my congregation they barely spoke English, so what we used to do, me and my brothers, but they knew very few words in English. So everything that was relating to to the Bible they knew. So if you said Jesus, they knew the devil hell heaven yeah. so what we used to do was we'd take the, the the songs that we thought were cool and then sunday mornings we would literally do them like cover bands and just put jesus names in them. you know what i mean yeah. so i'd be like um the devil i'd be like um god told you don't you come around here don't want to <laughs> see the devil better disappear oh that's you cool yeah you would you so, would spice so it up and get to say we like him <laughs> Yeah, you, you made it less uh, less secular. Um, yeah, definitely. And you know what I want to say is there was still some real cool Christian rock bands. I always talk about my influence within the the rock space within the the Pink Floyd's and all. But the coolest Christian rock band that I used to listen to growing up was a band called Petra. Yes, um, they, the rock Petra, band. I remember that. Yeah, Petra has a song called "It's Too Late for Any." And it's a deep, deep song. If anyone has a chance, check that song out. It's really cool. Cool. Yeah, I, I grew up in that same scene. I got to hear Petra and Newsboys and Amy Grant and all the others. Stripers, Amy Grant, Stri- all that. You Striper. See, now, you were, now, look, how much we got in common. You see that? <laughs> yeah. We, 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 we both, uh, we both come, come quite a long way. So yeah. what prompted your family to move to New Jersey? Um, my, my pops moved to New Jersey because Brooklyn was getting rough. After my cousin got killed, you know, I was part of of the wrong crew. And um, and then they felt that if they didn't get us out of Brooklyn, we literally um, would have got uh, would have got killed. So they moved us to what appeared. It said my dad, he's like a he's a farmer amongst many things. He only moved to Jersey because it said he was driving his car and he saw something that said garden state parkway <laughs> that there, there, our, our writer here gerald just laughed at that he liked that he goes yeah yeah garden. Yeah, but it's so ill he was like oh and we're gonna move to the garden state and and uh and then he moves us to east orange new jersey it was not the garden yeah state. I, was no, i'm not was sure like, that's <laughs> the right area <laughs> but that's how we got to jersey man <laughs> that's really cool so in high school you already were fluent and by the way i'm like I, i'm ashamed i barely know a little bit of spanish you already were fluent in four or five languages. How'd you develop that talent? Um, the way that I developed the talent was the same way like with music. I was just always curious and I constantly wanted to learn, you know. Um, but I would say uh, the, the most rarest thing that um, language that I come across and I know a little bit of it and it trips people out is a little Korean, right? And people are like, what? So in my shows, sometimes I'd be like, you know, na, 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 anyang hashamika, and they go, yo, where did you learn that? That's so and it's cool. crazy because I used to like hustle in front of a beauty salon store in Newark, and the owner was Korean, and he was like, yo, I'm going to give you a job. You ain't going to hustle out here no more. And, um, and then I would constantly, I was the kid that would walk around and be like, how do you say this? And then I would write it. 
tapes, um, tape it in my tape recorder, just a love for languages. The way a kid can sit there and play every video game in the world is sort of like, so my brain was just working different. It was just with music, language, philosophy, you know what I mean? Well, you are really are brilliant. And on top of it, uh, singing in French is your preference because everything sounds so great in French. And I'd like to add, uh, in school, the ladies might have been quite impressed by uh, the French accent. <laughs> yeah, the French is, is um, it was very cool. In Haiti, our, our main language is Creole, right? And then the, the, what they mostly teach you in school is French because um, at the time, Haiti was occupied by uh, Napoleon mm -hmm. um, in France until uh, they were the first blacks to get their independence in 1804. So, uh, uh, very much of French culture a lot in, in our country. Um, I love French because no matter what you say, man, like it just sounds sexy. You can't you know mess it up. You could be like, yo, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> and it's, the girl's like, oh, that's so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we, were, we were trying to write down questions for you. I go, I think he's going to appreciate that one because it's true. You know? <laughs> it positions you as a, as a suave and intellectual type of guy. It, it, yeah, uh, it levels you, you up. Yeah, you the French, yeah, it levels you up. <laughs> yeah. So who, if anyone, taught you to read music? If someone out there are listeners in now 70 countries, how do you learn to read music? How'd you do it before YouTube existed? Okay, so everyone that's, that's, um, that wants to learn, I actually taught myself how to play first. I was not a reader. I didn't, I felt like I didn't need to read because anything I can hear, I literally can play it until... I came across a music teacher and she was like, why Clef, um, you can be as good as you want, but just say one day you decide to do a film score and you're going to be like, and you can't, you can do as much as you want with the film score with your ear, but now you're going to have an orchestra in front of you. And the orchestra only speaks one language, right? The language of music on paper. How are you going to do that? Um, and I was like, well, I'll just get somebody to do it. And she was like, it's going to cost you $100,000. And I was like, where do I start? Every <laughs> good boy does fine. Yeah. You know what where, I mean? Where, where do so, I begin? Where do I begin? But so I, I teach, um, I tell people um, the way that I learned was through a music teacher. She brought me in in high school and taught me jazz. And I would say, um, so for everyone um, that is listening um, there's two ways, right? Because online now we can learn and there's different things. But I always tell everyone, I still believe in the physicality of the human. You know what I'm saying? The AI is very important. We're going to need that as we move forward. But there's nothing like a, a person sitting there with you and you're having fun when you do it, um, opposed to like feeling like it's being drilled in your head. Yeah. And so jazz, what got you hooked on jazz? Man, I got into jazz at 15 years old. Um, I love the improvisation. I love the speed of it. Uh, it was like calculus, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it was like moving like calculus, like double, like double speed, because the guys like Charlie Parker, they actually was just improvising. So, and I love the fact that everything was just different. You know, every note kept moving. You must take the A train to go to Sugar Hill, way up in Harlem. Wow, man, you got so much talent. You miss the A train. You miss the quickest way to get to Harlem. I just love the shuffle, dude. You like to jump around, and you like that it sounds like it challenged you quite a bit. I mean, from all the other things you got challenged by, it was, all right, can I do this one? Yeah, well, for me, it's just a passion, not a challenge, just a passion. 
Like, everyone has something they're obsessed with, right? I played two World Cups, right, in my life. So what far. is I, that I like? I mean, that's uh, – it doesn't get yeah, any that was bigger thing, than right? that. That's a built, yeah. A billion people, and I wrote both of those songs for wow. World Cups, so you can imagine. But you know, when you're watching those players play, man, right? And then you hear the stories about how, you know, Messi, for example, you know, dude is kicking a soccer ball basically at birth, and everywhere he goes, the soccer ball is with him. That's sort of like with me with music, you know? It's sort of like it's my obsession. Like, it's something that it's like I love. It's like when you see LeBron James and he's playing all the positions. It's because he just loves what he does, and that's what me with music. Any form of music, I was just like, I have to learn this. I love it. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's it, it comes through in everything you've done and every achievement. Uh, have you ever had an inclination to run for office here in the United States? Uh, no, but I did for Haiti. You know where I came from. Yeah, so I actually, we, we saw yeah. that. And tell me about that. Yeah. Like, how do you run for how do you run for office in Haiti, and what is the process like? Uh, well, a lot of people was like, so I watched me go from getting love to complete political propaganda and try to smear my name. You know what I mean? Um, when they say like politics is politics and it's mad dirty, right? Um, what made you run? What made you do it? Um, so the other side of my brain, right? I had an uncle, very important to this story. His name is Raymond Joseph. And he wrote a book called For Whom the Dogs Spy. And this book explains how he took um, a dictator down in Haiti named Baby Doc. So he was responsible. He infiltrated the White House in Haiti to one of his mistresses and helped topple him. Now, he was the other one giving me the other side of my brain. So at a very young age, I learned policy. I learned legislation, right? So by the time... I became like 22. Um, I was like, I, I, I was on top of the world. And the Fuji said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to bring you guys to Haiti. Let's go to Haiti and let's perform for the people. So once we went to Haiti, I started to just look into a lot of like Haiti, no trade policies of how it used to be a place that was full of sugar and what happened. So basically in the back of my mind, I was like, as a private sector guy, I'm going to always be able to help the country. But after we had the earthquake in 20, and, and, and um, once we had the earthquake, I was like, you know what? In 250,000 people under the rubble, I was there the next day, wow. uh, mid-afternoon, picking up bodies. The most horrific scene. I said, you know what? If this is the shot, and I ran for Haiti, and people said to our clef, what what change would you have made? How do you know you could have changed that country? And I tell the world that there's something called carbon credits. Carbon credits is a fund. It's an environmental fund used for that very purpose. So literally, you could have rebuilt the whole country through carbon credits. But guess what? I would have gotten in the way of corporate interests. So in that process, I was taken out of the race, right? Yeah. But he who fights and walk away lives to fight on uh, that day. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, know? just just give it a generation, and one day they're going to say, hey, Wackoff, I know you tried it, but this time we, we really need you. Um, yeah, yeah. Because or you have a story. Be the one, or there's another one who's who's there right now. He's probably 17, and because of the push that I did, he's probably going to be president. So at times, I don't feel like necessarily like we'll get there. I feel that, but our job 
as humans is to constantly push the needle forward, you know. It, it really is. And so we had uh, Michael Loeb on our show uh, about a month back. We made an announcement mm -hmm. uh, that we're doing what we're, we're going to build. And we're, obviously, you're in the team, too. Uh, building the mm -hmm. largest foster care awareness event that the world has ever seen. Uh, going to be wow, host, okay. well, hosted at Michael's house June 2020. Uh, we're, mm -hmm. we're nominating. We're bringing in torchbearers from around the world uh, that can help bring the kids Bring the kids to okay. the foremost of the ones that were like me. I was in foster care. Well, the ones that aren't well, so lucky. Know, yeah, and I shared that with you when you told me that I was definitely touched, and I didn't tell you about my dad's church. You know, this is one of the things that we did. We cared a lot for foster children. This was one of the deepest things in, um, in our church, um, Church of the Nazarene in New Jersey, that we definitely was proud. So when you told me that a little bit of your story, I was definitely touched by that. Well, we'd be honored to have you and have the, those people that you trust um, to help us bring awareness uh, to the 430,000 kids here in the United States that, yeah. for, for no yeah, fault sir. of their own, just were born to, in the wrong the wrong part of town or the wrong mom and That's dad right. or the wrong environment or situation or one of a million um, mm -hmm. million different things that come in. So. Um, yes, sir. As we go towards the end here, um, current musicians today, uh, current artists, what kind of music do you like? Is there something out there that's on Wyclef's playlist? You say, Dustin, this song, I, I can't get it out of my head. Man, I'm just a soul searcher. And what does that mean, man? I go on Spotify, I hit country music listen. You go right I to country. To and I, I tell people, the best thing is just hit a genre and just go in. You know what I mean? And I guarantee you, just go and be like, what's happening in Brazil today, 2019, you know? And your mind will be blown. That's one thing I love about the space of streaming, you know what I mean? Um, music is definitely infinite, you know what I mean? It, it um, but my favorite um, artist currently um, at the time is a, a girl by the name of Her. Um, she plays guitar. Okay. And she, she sings, she's a prodigy. There's another girl out of the Bronx that I feel has an air. Her name is uh, Jazzy Amra. She came out of the Bronx. Just on a come up, she's still bubbling. And uh, there's a kid, I'll give you some breaking news, there's a kid I introduced to Clive Davis the other day who was my mentor. And I've never brought anybody to Clive Davis since we did Whitney Houston. Um, this kid by the name of Jeremy Torres. Jeremy um, Torres. He, yeah, he sort of like reminds me of... of me when I was starting out. He has his guitar. He's from Puerto Rico. Pops left him at a young age. You know, he had to make for himself. Um, and Finn, um, he has an interesting story. And he lives and breathes music. So he I lives love and breathes. Well, you you were able to sing today our opening intro. Again, reach out. We'd be honored uh, if any of them. And as we go now towards some of the uh, back-end questions, uh, your current work, uh, your new work, you had a new album that just came out in March about the time we started this show. The name of the album is Wyclef Goes Back to School. It includes your original songs and feature collaborations with inspiring young artists from college campuses around the country. Tell us what your thought process was in making this album. So whenever people get these uh, Wyclef Goes Back to School, what it means is 90% of the kids that you will hear or let's just say 90% of the talent that you will hear on that album is all based on discovery. And it's these college kids throughout the country. It'll be like street kids all over. The idea I wanted to do was to do the reverse of what the record companies was doing. 
which mostly they find the artists from YouTube with 100 million views, and this is how they sign them. But I was like, if y'all do that, y'all ain't going to find the next Fuji or the next Amy Winehouse, you know? You physically have to go out and do this. So while I was touring the carnival, I toured universities throughout the country. Um, through the institution, we set up private um, shows, you know, because I wanted to, this to be so not reality show-driven. I wanted to be reality show driven. I wanted it to be pure. And then so from there, you have um, what you will hear, which is um, a bunch of new kids. My favorite uh, record on there is um, it's called Demons and Joy, and it's featuring Jeremy Torres and another girl by the name of Maura Mack. And when people hear this, they go, yo, is that Adele? I'm like, no, nope, it's a girl kidding. named Maura Mack wow. or maybe... A girl named Moira Mack, maybe with 300 views. But look, you've discovered them and why Clef goes back to school. So whenever you're looking for a curation of a playlist, but that's produced by the producer, um, is why Clef goes back to school. I think the next series that I'm going to do is why Clef goes back to Africa. Wow. You know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of music going on. So this is a new way of curation for me. And not just producing artists, but also sharing with you what I think is some of the future, like earlier when we talked about the Destiny Child. So these are some of the kids, I think, that are future. There's another kid, you know, people was like, is that J. Cole? And I was like, nope, but it's a kid that goes that lives in Chicago. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the kind of energy that you'll get on, on this album. Well, you've got a lot of energy in general and about turning 50 in October. Yeah, what man. is that like, brother? What is it like? Five old baby. That's a big one, man. Where, what are we gonna it. do? Where are we gonna go? What, what's this party gonna I, look I, like? I still can't believe it, man. I, I never knew this is what fifty would feel like. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know what fifty. I didn't know fifty would feel like. I'm twenty four. You know. What I'm saying? Yeah, you got a lot of mojo <laughs> left, and you're like, you're not the normal. You and I were just together. Go no, you're not fifty. Not even close. No, no, no. Which is, but it feels it feels good, and people go, man, how how can you? And I say, look, man, at the end of the day, um, people say, how do you do it? And I say, I really put myself in the front line and sacrifice myself for people, because I said, if you can go past the fire, all you're going to see is the baptism. You know what I mean? And I strongly believe in that. And your dance moves, you still got them? I don't, I man, you know what's funny, man? I think I'll be a dancer until I die. I'll be <laughs> yeah. like that 80 year old Good guy. And you'll be like, oh shit, he just did a backflip. Man, man <laughs> you, you got to teach me how to dance because I, I don't know what it is. When uh, when I move, it just I, doesn't move right. I got you, man. You know what? I'll show you a few tricks. Uh, what we probably need to do the first trick, we need some cool dance shoes. That's what we'll do. You got to pick them out because what, what kind of dance <laughs> shoes we getting? <laughs> we going to get them because you know the first thing they're going to do is look at your feet. And then if you could just move your feet a little bit, it's going to distract them with the dance shoes. Uh, like blue suede shoes or what, what, what do you got blue in mind? Blue suede shoes. I like Let's that. do it right. Like if we're going to, you and I are going to do a dance off. There's going to be some Let's blue suede. Right. I like that. <laughs> All right. So final question we have to ask, who's the toughest person you've known or, or that's in your life or, or maybe that's not here anymore? Well, I said the toughest person I've ever known is not here right now. And that's my father, you know. Um, he had a tragic um, accident, car accident. But the reason why he's tough is because it's sort of like good was never good enough. He always told me that 
you know, you can't be good. Like, if you're just good, that ain't good enough. So there'll always be excused. And he says, you have to be great. And then so it seemed like everything I was doing just was not, it was good for him, but it wasn't great. And then before he died, uh, one of my last, the only concert that he ever attended was I did a, I'm actually the first rapper to actually perform at Carnegie Hall with a full orchestra. So I did a show at Carnegie Hold Hall. Hold on, Gerald, why didn't you find that? Now, come on. that That's that, that's one of those we should have read that in the beginning. Carnegie Hall? Why, yeah, Clef? Are yeah, you kidding man. me? No, I'm not. So actually, you can go on Amazon and get Why Clef and Friends at Carnegie Hall. So I'm actually the first rapper ever. And it's dope because when y'all watch Carnegie Hall, you will literally see everything that I talked about. You know what I mean? We had to edit some people out of it because of of uh, record companies, but the majority of everyone is on there. Uh, Mary J. Blige, Whitney, Destiny Chow, Charlotte Church. A lot of unknowns. Wonder. Yeah, Man, nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. So, and it goes on and on. So, so I, I was, I did, I put this whole. Sheet music together for Carnegie Hall, the show from beginning to end. And I told my dad that it would be a gospel concert because, you know, remember, we talked about that thing earlier. Yep. So he comes to this show at Carnegie Hall and everybody is in the place. I put my dad up in the balcony. And when I tell you everyone is there, Alicia Keys ain't even blown up yet. She's sitting next to Clive Davis. Everybody is there. Mm. And in the middle of the show, I just stopped the show. And I was like, yo, I mean, I have all my friends here from Eric Clapton on down who flew in for this. But, man, the greatest joy for me that night is to see my dad. And wow. I told him to Powerful. stand up. And then he stands up. So after the concert, you know, now I'm looking for the word from him. You know what I mean? Because sometimes we just do things. To get that validation. You want to impress your dad. I gave it all yeah, I had, Pops. Man. You feel me? I feel so you right now. He comes up to me and he goes, do you know when you make it? And then I go, oh, man. He goes again <laughs> with another one of his Haitian um, parables, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, no, Dad. When do I make it? He says, when the people show up in the arena and they don't see the color, they see the man, then you know you've made it. And what a it's powerful so message. Deep what he said, you it know, really what I'm saying? So, yeah. So that was his way of telling me, you know, so that was the toughest person um, that I've ever encountered in my life. For right. sure. He sounds uh, like he was absolutely an amazing man, one that you should be yeah. proud of and one that I'd be proud of to say that that guy's in my family. Uh, yeah, for sure. Any final uh, thoughts you have for everybody out there, Clef? Well, well, I think, you know, the final thought is each one, you know what I mean? Teach one, let's all inspire each other. Look how we met, you know what I'm saying? And Absolutely, look your brother. background, my background. At the end um, of the day, we love. Um, you know, and I'm going to talk to, like, Spotify and everything because there's so much Wyclef music. I'm going to, I have to have them curate all the acoustic stuff by itself, all the country stuff by itself, all the hip-hop stuff. So in the future, I want you to just be able to tap in whichever wide clef you want, and you can hear that version based on your mood. That, that would be that would be incredible. Uh, we, yeah, we're gonna do that. I promise you, that, we'll do that. That, that. That's great. All right. Well, life's tough, but White Clef's dad was tougher. Thanks for coming on the show yeah, today, White Clef. Love you, brother. Thank you. Love you too, family. Take care.
So that wraps up our show for today. Thanks again to Wyclef John for making this another outstanding episode of our Life's Tough podcast. And thanks to you, our amazing audience, for making the Life's Tough podcast one of the most relevant, engaging, and fastest-growing shows around. And also special thanks to my dear friend, Gerald Levin, Life's Tough chief writer, and my Sherpa. You already know life is tough, and running your own business is tougher. You need a financial planner who's tougher. Carl Grund is a financial planner who helps small business owners navigate the market and grow their business through financial strategies. Give Carl a call at 703-287-7128. That's 703-287-7128. Or send an email to cgrund at sfpfinancial.com. That's cgrund at sfpfinancial.com to learn how Carl can help you get tough on business. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. The stories we all hear are as varied as the people who tell them. It's impossible to discount the impact of any one singular experience. Instead, I ask you to use your story to empower others. Your story, like Wyclef's, may be just what it takes to help somebody in your circle or perhaps in our community or in another country to get through a tipping point moment, an instance in which that person either chooses to continue to be a victim or when that person finds the strength to transcend a particular situation. Please subscribe to our show. Visit lifestough.com and be sure to join us every week for a new stimulating hour of heartfelt discussion. Remember, everyone has a story and every story has a purpose. Life's tough. You could be tougher. Thanks for listening and have a great week. And for the entire Life's Tough team, this is Dustin Planelt signing off. Remember, life's tough, but Wyclef's dad was tougher. Take care, everybody. Talk to you soon.